global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all declining with the S&P 500 index now slumping 70 points to 2042, a drop there of 3.3%. Stocks are tumbling the most since January, joining a sell-off in global risk assets on speculation that the U.K. decision to leave the EU will hamper worldwide growth. Dow Industrials down 565 points now, a drop there of 3.1%. They have been down as many as 630 points. NASDAQ down 193 points, a drop there of 3.9%. The 10-year yield 1.57%, gold surging $60 the ounce to 1323, an advance there of 4.8%, and crude down 4.9%, to 47.67 a barrel. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. It is time now for the ETF report. Let's go to Bloomberg's Catherine Cowdery. The gold rush is on after the U.K. voted to withdraw from the European Union. Gold has rallied the most since the height of the 2008 global financial crisis, up as much as 8.1% today. This is reflected in the ETF industry. GLD, the spider gold shares, has been rallying, and it's traded more than $3 billion worth of shares today, about four times its daily average. Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Eric Baltuna says it's been a good year for GLD. GLD is now up to about $11 billion in inflows. That's double any other ETF on the year. It's just the gold kind of year. It has been from day one. And I, with the volume today and the performance, I think we see another $2 billion into gold uh, in the next week, given uh, the trading volume today. So we're talking about $13 billion in flows. That's about a 30% increase in the size of GLD. In addition to GLD, other ETFs have been gaining, including the IPATH S&P 500 VIX Short-Term Futures ETN, or VXX. It's been up more than 23%. And the iShares 20-plus year Treasury Bond ETF, ticker TLT, is also gaining, up as much as 3.3%. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Less than 24 hours have passed since this historic vote, since the... uh Tally came in, a vote to leave the European Union. Despite many polls that showed how close this vote was, seems like many investors around the world, and a lot of bookies for that matter, were still betting that the U.K. would vote to stay. Now everyone continues to sort this out. The the earthquake has happened. What is the aftermath? Nick Colas is here, chief market strategist at Convergix. It's a global brokerage company based right here in New York, and he's been looking at Brexit, at flows, at ETFs, and a whole lot more for us. Nick, welcome, and thank you for coming into studio with us. Thank you. So your immediate reaction to this? Like everybody else, it's a very big wow. It was not what was expected, and as the votes came in last night, I think we were all glued to the TV until 1 or 2 in the morning and are a little groggy this morning, and so it's still hard to believe it's happened, but it has. All right. Well, it's happened. So now what? So now, you know, you have to revert to some basic rules in order to trade this market and make some money. Rule number one of a blow-up is you never buy the first day of a blow-up. There's a three-day rule in trading, and it's there for a reason. You don't buy the first day, and you don't buy new lows, and you're seeing some of both in the current markets. So at this point, and this is totally logical with what we're expecting through the Tuesday council meeting with the EU, you have to wait and see what the second, third, fourth, and fifth feet are to a 
fall before you can factor things in. That's why you're not seeing a lot of incremental volume today on top of this big surprise and the Russell rebalance that we still have to go through the close with. So traders are understanding that, and they're waiting to see what happens next. I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's what strikes me. You, you, there's an immediate reaction, and then seems to me you say, and I've asked, I asked Kit Jukes this morning for Societe Generale, or actually this afternoon, would you buy sterling here? He said, well, not yet. It's not crazy to ask that question, and we just discussed it with another guest. But um, as you sort it out, are you what? What about flows right now? You said so far volume is low. Do we wait to see over the weekend and Monday who you know sticks their toe into the water first and which direction they stick it? Absolutely, because if you look at say ETF flows uh, year to date, the two major trends. The first obviously is gold between GLD and IAU. They own more gold in their vaults than all but seven countries around the world. That's amazing. Over a thousand metric tons, and it's because of the fifteen billion dollars of inflows year to date. So that that's the easy one to call out. The harder one is, and I think it'll be that investors go back into U.S. equities before either developed economy, Europe, Asia, or emerging economies. And you've seen that in the flows as well. Over the last month, U.S. ETFs, U.S. equity ETFs saw $17 billion of inflows, even, even as equities from around the world were still seeing outflows. That trend, I think, continues. So look for the S&P to bottom first, and then other markets, even though obviously the volatility is in other markets to begin with. All right. So, Nick Colas, let's say that we don't get any clarity and we keep using that word uncertainty from now until we're certain, which will be never. Is there an asset class that will benefit, in addition to gold, from this uncertainty? Well, again, the easy one to call out is fixed income, bonds especially. If you look at expectations for interest rate moves by the Fed, they've collapsed today. And for the first time, I think at least in the last couple of years, you're seeing handicapping on a rate cut. They're small so far, 5 to 7% according to Fed Funds Futures, but you are seeing some speculation the Fed has to cut. So fixed income is the logical next stop. The next stop after that, again, U.S. equities particularly, large cap U.S. equities. Because look at the spread between S&P yields 2.1% and the 10-year now struggling to hold 1.5%, which is going to do better over the next 10 years. I think it's still going to be the S&P. So mm-hmm. it's in that order. It's, okay, gold's the easy one, then fixed income's pretty easy, and then U.S. stocks bottom after that, and then the rest of the world begins to catch up. This is, I'm glad, well, it's interesting because this is what I've been asking myself all morning, all day, you know, because it's one of two things, or well, I suppose three things could happen, but still. Everybody could have like, oh my gosh, the world is ending. And, and if you talk to people who are who are British or, or like our, our our guests who's part of the EU Parliament, who's Irish, they're they're not they're not just looking at things financially. They're sort of an emotional shock, right? But when you get past that, it, when you have a big drop in something, you say, you know, maybe it's overdone. Maybe people got out of positions. Maybe they went into it so badly, right, yep. that they had to do some selling. Now you're back to, to even maybe. And then you say to me, it seems, still seems to me it's logical to say, what's a buy here? Yeah, if you look at, say, look at what our customers were doing on our desk all week, they were positioning for a remain vote, and there was a lot of buying going into Friday's vote, obviously, Thursday's vote, and obviously that didn't work out. So a bit of today's action is just the unwind of those bets that didn't work out. Uh, And then in order of what to look at, I'd say, again, the U.S., by virtue of our still continued reasonable growth, reasonable profit margins, good cash flow from U.S. corporations, have the best shot of bottoming first. All right, they have the best shot of bottoming first. Let's just step back and say, if your portfolio was not arranged to deal with this potential vote to leave, 
what should you do? The first thing you've got to do is think about why that wasn't the case. So was it that you didn't own enough hedges in the form of gold or fixed income? Were you too heavily in equities? That's a warning sign you're taking too much equity risk. And rebalance that portfolio back to something like the classic 60-40, which is my default value always for a portfolio composition. Or were you too exposed to emerging markets, for example, in which case you've got to tail back that risk, emerging markets versus developed versus U.S. U.S. is going to be the best game in town. Now, if you want to pull that back in and start looking at more U.S., I'd say that's a pretty smart move. Russell, rebalancing? Huge. So in a nutshell, it's huge. You've got a couple minutes, though. What happens now? It's every June. It's a big deal. Some say it could almost have not quite a Brexit impact on the stock market, but it's definitely a big dynamic. Yeah, the Brexit vote and the Brexit outcome came at a very bad day because once a year, the Russell indices rebalance, and most importantly, the 1,000 and 2,000. There's roughly about $850 billion of money actively managed to those indices. And today, you're going to see a rebalance of roughly $47 billion, comprising just shy of four hundred of those 3,000 names, and they all have to print the trade at the close. That's how the index trackers work. And so we've got a few minutes left. We'll see how it went. But I wouldn't be surprised to see those trades go off with, you know, in a very volatile market at levels that you wouldn't have expected any other time. Just a little bit more from your trading insight, because you mentioned the three-day rule. Yep. What are some of the other mistakes that people typically make in volatile markets? They make decisions when they shouldn't make decisions. They second-guess their professional managers. What kind of things? Yes, the number one, and this has been very true of every pullback since the financial crisis, people get out at the bottom. They let their fear overcome their rationality, and they tell their manager to sell or they sell their self-directed accounts at the bottoms. You know, there's a saying on trading desks, instead of yelling, you should be selling. Instead of crying, you should be buying. (laughs) That's a great saying. I love that. So uh, what are you watching next week? I mean, is the Fed just like, okay, we've watched them to death. Now we know with this, Janet, they did the right thing. They didn't raise the key rate. A lot of reasons other not to do save. Global central banks, the, net, the news out of the UK, what's the, what, are the, what are the headlines to watch for? You know, the headlines will be how much interaction there is between capital markets volatility and policymakers. You know, we had the usual soothing words out of the Fed and other folks this morning saying we stand ready to provide liquidity. But if you get a second and third day of a drop off, are there any policy, explicit policy actions? Uh, that's the thing I'm looking for first and foremost. Thank you very much for coming in and spending time with us. Thank you. Nick Colas. He is the chief market strategist for Convergex and he and Convergex can be followed on Twitter at Convergex. Much appreciated. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes. We're going to take you through to the close. Stocks now near the lows of the day, trading S&P 500 at 2,041, a drop of three and a quarter percent. NASDAQ down nearly four percent. And U.S. Treasuries, they're rallying. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio.